Fiji. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the first Killing Me Smalls podcast. I'm your host, Mike Small. A little background on me uh, as we're just getting going here. I started out as a journalist and a reporter in the North Carolina area. I was the producer and reporter and sometimes host of Dean Smith and Mac Brown's television shows, the former basketball and football coaches at the University of North Carolina. I've done some radio, some local television, wrote a newspaper column in North Carolina. I left the industry several years ago to raise my family, four kids. And about a year and a half ago, I got back into writing for the uh, fifth quarter and have been a regular guest on the Locked On Sixers podcasts with our first guest, who is none other than Keith Pompey. Keith is, in my opinion, the best reporter in Philadelphia when it comes to Sixers basketball or any basketball. He gets the stories. He's not afraid to ask the tough questions and always finds a way to keep it real. So before we introduce Keith, I just want to thank our sponsor for the podcast. And we want to thank the Matt Blatt dealerships. Get fried up with Kobe Fryer and his deals at Matt Blatt Kia right here in Tom's River. Or they've got dealerships in Egg Harbor or Glassboro. I've known Kobe for over 35 years. In fact, this is actually a pretty good story, but I drove him to his first interview in the car business so many years ago when we were kids. Check out the new Telluride and all the other great Kia models. You have to see the 250 pre-owned cars and trucks. Any credit situation can be handled with ease. Just call my guy Kobe at 609-706-2101. Or you can contact him through this podcast network, and I will put him directly in touch with you. So without further ado, Keith Pompey, welcome to the Killing Me Smalls podcast. What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, it's a, it's an honor. And um, I want to thank you for, uh, you know, one, I obviously am a big basketball fan, love watching the Sixers and, and many of the other sports in the area. But uh, I really have enjoyed getting to know you and, and, and your journalistic integrity, and, and you've taught me a lot over the last year and a half, and I really appreciated you having me on the pod. So my first question for you, as I shared with, with the group, uh, I had been in the business starting you know, about 25 years ago, and uh, now I'm an old guy, but what is journalism like in 2019? I mean, you're covering, you're the beat reporter for probably the most interesting team in the NBA outside of Golden State. And, you know, you're trying to break stories. You've got Woj calling Josh Harris. You've got Twitter. You've got all kinds of social media. What is your job like now compared to how it was 10 or 15 years ago? Now it's, it's, it's an endless news cycle. Um, you know, you, you find yourself, you know, you're all constantly on the phone, um, not just talking to sources, um, but also, you know, checking Twitter, checking other, you know, checking different websites. Um, it, it's, 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 it's nonstop. I mean, it's to a point where, you know, even on Twitter, I have, you know, everyone who, everyone I cover and all the national, excuse me, everyone I compete against, players I cover, um, you know, national media. You know, I have them all on Twitter alert. It gets to a point where I have to keep my phone on silence because my wife and my daughter's like, Daddy, 
your phone always goes off. So, <laughs> so, you know, I just keep it close to me. Um, but, you know, back in the day, it was, you know, it was one of those things. Let's just face it. If you broke a story, um, you know, writing for a paper, you know, you would get it out and then everyone will see it the next morning. And for a whole day, you can walk around and say, yes, I was the man. You know, nowadays, if, if you break a story, you know, people are getting it confirmed within a minute. You know what I mean? So it's it, it's kind of like everything is just so quick. And, and then another thing is, you know, before it was, you know, newspapers, you were just competing against people in your region. Now, you know, there's like you said, there's Woj, there's people in L.A., Woj works for ESPN, there's people all over the country and, and you're competing with them. And as the local beat guy, a lot of times teams would rather go to the national guy as opposed to going to the local guy. And the reason why they do that is because the national guy has a wider audience so you can get it out quicker. So, you know, it, it, it's a lot of things that you have to compete with. You know, when I was, uh, you know, when I was doing this a while ago, I would, I would get a hard time from my, my superiors. If, if somebody beat me to a story, I don't. I can't even imagine what it's like for you now when there's so much competition. What What is it? What is the relationship like with your editors, et cetera, when you know when Woj breaks something that is local, or or if you break something uh, that nobody else has, or if you one of the most interesting things that I thought you did was during the Markel Fultz situation. You were the first person to report that. You know, maybe this thing's in his head. It might not be in his shoulder or whatever was being reported. And you get criticized for that. But it turns out you probably were right about that. How do you handle all that? Um, you know, it's it, it comes with it. Well, the thing is, you know, I'm a competitive person. So, you know, and, and I think my editors, like, they know that. And if Woj gets something, you know, I, I'm not one of those guys who says, okay. It is what it is. They gave it to the national guy. Who cares? Well, you know, I'm a guy that's like shaking my head like, man, I got beat. I got scooped. You know, and, and, and again, it is tougher for the beat writer nowadays just because, you know, the beat writer, you know, nine out of ten times, you know, you're the one digging for information. You're the one trying to get it. You know, while a national guy is a guy who is given information. So, you know, that's the one thing you have to compete with. And I think people understand that. But at the same time, it's one of those things where, you know, me personally, regardless of how the setup is, you know, I'm still disappointed. You know, I'm still disappointed. But also when I break something, it's also like, you know, like yesterday I broke that 76ers uh, fired uh, their two medical doctors. Um, the thing is, though, that's great. But. Then a couple uh, hour later, Wolves broke that uh, Avery Johnson is interviewing for a job. So you can't really stick your chest out saying, hey, I did this, I did that, because, you know, within an hour is, is old news because there's something else coming up. So, you know, it's one of those things where you really I mean, yeah, you feel good about it, but you don't have time to, to, to soak in, soak it all in. And then secondly, it's one of those things where, you know, it, 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 it if, if you get beat, 
even though you're happy you got something, when you get beat, you kind of take it the hard way. You know, take it a hard way, like, oh my gosh, I got beat again. So that's how it is. Yeah, and I think that it's a lot different too, I would assume, to cultivate a source now because, you know, back in the day, you, and I keep saying back in the day, like I'm 90 years old, but, you know, earlier before the explosion of social media, it was easier to get a source because the source was less likely to get caught giving information. I've got to think the paranoia on a source's part has got to be at an all time high now to be able to share things. It is. It's also down. It's like it all boils down to relationships too, like the relationship you have with people, and um, you know, and and you know, you ask questions. You you just like a lot of times. I think what reporters try to do is like they come in, they meet someone, and then all of a sudden you're like trying to be private eye investigator. Well, it's all about cultivating a relationship with that person. And then, you know, after a while, you know, you'll get info, you know what I mean? After, because they trust you. And a lot of times when people tell you stuff, you don't run and write it up real quick. Like what I mean is if someone gives you some information, you know, sometimes they're giving you information. It just, there's like, they're trying to test you like, Hey, this is just between us. You know, I really want, you know, you to know this information, but it's not for publication or it's off the record. Well, there are some people who just take it and run with it and then they burn that person. But you just have to develop trust with your sources. And then sometimes sources will take care of you. It's interesting, too. If, if you've ever watched a Sixers game after the game, if you're watching it on, you know, um, the My Teams app or NBC Philly they'll often show in the locker room when the reporters are asking the players questions. And it seems like many of the writers don't want to make the players mad or they ask them questions that they think will help build a relationship. I notice you don't always do that. <laughs> You're one of the people that's not afraid to, to ask a tough question to players. And sometimes you get scoffed at. How's that balance for you? Because you're in that locker room every day. You've got to get the story that people want. I mean, I know if I pick up a newspaper or go online um, to read you on philly.com, I don't want a, a boring story that, you know, that, that isn't intuitive at all. That doesn't have a lot of thought. So you need to ask those provoking questions to, to get a provoking answer, but you still have to be welcomed back in there. What's that balance like for you? You know, it, it's, it, it can be tough, but at the same time, you know, ultimately I do not work for the team. You know, there are certain people who say, hey, look, you know, I, I want to be well-liked. But I also notice the people that are well-liked, I mean, I'd rather be respected than well-liked. You know what I mean? Great point. And sometimes yeah. you get respected for your work ethic and for the things you do. So, you know, even though I ask tough questions and I do stuff like that, they know that I'm going to be there every day, even when things aren't going well, if someone gets upset with me. And see, the one thing that we fail to realize is that, you know, like you said, um, you know, you, you, you want you don't want someone to, to tell the co company line all the time. You know, I write for the Philadelphia Inquirer, Inquirer.com. You know, so my job is to get the reader the information that the reader wants. And, you know, I watch the games, you watch the game, I cover the games, you watch them, you cover them. And it's one of those things where 
you know, at the end of the day, I don't want a reader calling me out saying, hey, look, Pompey, why did you write it that way when everyone in the world knows it happened? It, it was the exact opposite. And why didn't you ask Brett Brown this? Why didn't you ask Joel Embiid that? So, you know, it's me doing my job. And there are certain people in other markets who do it, who do it a lot. Like, think about it. You know, New York. New York is arguably the toughest media market in, in the world. And they're asking those tough questions. So, you know, it's one of those things where the Sixers, they, they understand it. They get paid a lot of money. They know that they made mistakes or they know that, you know, this happened and that happened. They are expecting someone to ask the question. They may not like it. But they're expecting it. And when you stop asking questions like that, you lose respect from players and from the team. They feel as if that they could walk over you. Keith, I want to transition into the Sixers. But before we do that, uh, I want to share some information from another one of our sponsors. Do you have unused jewelry lying around that you want to sell? Cut out the middleman and go directly with Philadelphia's oldest and most trusted precious metal refinery. Garfield Refining. Garfield has been around for over 127 years and offers the highest payouts for gold, silver, platinum, and palladium jewelry. To start refining, visit GarfieldRefining.com or call 800-523-0968 to talk directly with a Garfield representative. That number again, 800-523-0968. New customers can use promo code Quarter to receive 50% off refining. Garfield Refining Company, offering the highest pay payments for your precious metals since 1892. So Keith, transitioning back to the Sixers, you know, it was a, what an interesting year. I mean, it started out with, you know, will Markel Fultz be that answer that we've been waiting for since he's been training with Drew Hanlon to Covington and Sarge are gone, Fultz can't play. Jimmy Butler and Harris come in. Landry Shamick, great draft pick. Landry Shamick gone. We've got Tobias Harris. Um, it looks like they couldn't guard anybody at the end of the season. All of a sudden, they do a great job and win four straight after losing the first one to Brooklyn. They take Toronto to a seventh game, a team that they couldn't beat or come close to beating for a long time. And uh, now Toronto looks like they're on the, you know, they have a shot anyway at winning the NBA finals, but you know, they've got a lot of work to do. What do the Sixers need to do in your opinion? If you were the general manager today, what do you want to see them do? There, there's actually, there's three things I want to see them do. The first thing involves bringing back the core, right? Going out there and bringing back um, Jimmy Butler, bring back Tobias Harris and bring back JJ Redick. I mean, you know, you're going to be in the luxury tax if you do it, but you have to do it because the team was so close. The second thing is, you know, Ben Simmons needs to, and he's doing it now. Like he's, you know, out in California working on his game, but you know, he has to take it seriously because he has to take that next step, you know, in regards to, you know, taking jumpers and, 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 and being able some being able to be someone that they can depend on late in games in regards to having the ball in his hand and getting to the foul line. And the third thing 
is Joel Embiid needs to work on his health. You know, he needs to get in better shape. You know, Joel Embiid has yet to play a full season. And, you know, the thing is, you know, let's face it, an 82-game season is long, so you expect him to miss games. But it comes to it came to a point where, you know, his team really needed him late in the regular season. He missed one playoff game. You know, he was doubtful for several other playoff games. So I think that those are the three things. Simmons has to improve his game. Joel Embiid needs to improve his health. And the 76ers need to bring back these guys at all costs. All right, so now let's talk likelihood. That sounds great. Um, if you were going to give a, a, a likelihood from 1 to 10, 10 being the most likely, 1 to 10, does Simmons have a, a mid-range jump shot when he comes back? 1 to 10, do the Sixers bring back the whole core? And 1 to 10, does Embiid do what's necessary with nutrition and training to come back and be able to play a full season? You know, the, the thing is, you know, I, I can see the whole core coming back. You know, I can, you know, I know that, and I'm going to tackle that one first because, you know, the thing that's going to happen is, um, yes, Tobias Harris is being, I mean, he has more suitors than anyone else on the team in regards to free agent suitors, right? You know, he's, he's a guy who's going to get a max deal no matter where he goes. You know, Jimmy Butler will too. It's just a matter of how many years does he, he gets, you know, J.J. Redick at his age, you know, there are going to be some people to say, hey, J.J., we don't know if we want to give you 12 to 14 million. So I think that if, if, if you had if I had to pick in order of the three things that I think that's going to happen, you know, I would have to lean towards that one. Um, you know, all three of these guys coming back, um, it, I, I can't really quantify a. Um, like a percentage or a, a, a number on it. But of the three, I would have to say that that's the most likely. Now, the other two, you know, it's tough because, you know, it's in, it's up to Joel, you know, and it's up to Ben. You know, I, I think that, you know, Ben Simmons, you know, he heard some criticism. You know, he's out here posting pictures of him, you know, working hard and grinding. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's like a lot of people criticized him before, but Ben was such a great athlete that where I felt, I always felt like he never knew what it was like to, to work hard. And meaning, like, he's the type of guy, he'll go out there, he'll show up for practice, and he'll play in the game. He's always, he was always the best guy on the floor. No one could stop him. So, you know, but you always hear stories of guys who were doubted, like a Jimmy Butler, for instance, where he's a guy who, you know, he had to fight hard to get a Division One scholarship. So he puts in time. He does all that because he knows what it's like. I think that this is probably the first time that Ben Simmons has had to deal with that. Now, it's going to be up to him to continue it. Now, the thing about Joel, the, the puzzling thing about him is that you would think that Joel would say, hey, I have to do better. But then when you look at the Toronto Raptors success, it's a blessing and a curse for the Sixers because the, the blessing is he'll say, you know what? We were so close. We were so close to whereas 
if Kawhi didn't hit that shot, you know, one of those things, and if we would have won in overtime, we'll probably, we could beat Milwaukee and we'll probably be in the finals. But the curse is, it's like, you know what? I was doing what I wanted to do. No one can stop me, really. Yes, I was sick. The knee problem, that that's going to get better. You know, why should I go out there and bust my tail and get in better shape? Because I'm already in the best center in the league in my eyes. You understand? So, to me, that's the tough one. You know, that is, it's all about what MB wants to do. And last year, if, if you would have asked me the same question, I would have said, oh, I'm going to give a 90 to 100 that he and Ben would correct, you know, what they needed to work on. Well, they didn't do it last summer. The right. stuff that we're talking about now is the same stuff that they need to work on this year. So it's up to them, man. It really is. But in regards to the Sixers bringing guys back, you know, you know, I think that that's going to happen because, face it, they gave up so much to get these guys that they're going to want to do whatever possible to bring them back. You know, it's interesting, the thought of, and I haven't really heard anybody talking about this, but why not a sign-and-trade with, you know, like if I think about Tobias Harris, I really like him. I, he's young. Um, he's athletic. He can shoot. But there are times, and you and I have talked about this in the past, that he just didn't fit. And I don't know if that was a Tobias problem or a Brett Brown problem or a, you know, Jimmy Butler's taking over problem or whatever. What are, what about the thoughts of a sign-and-trade with Harris to try to get a player that might fit a little bit more? And and uh, is that a possibility? It sounds like Butler's a done deal. Um, it, it, I'm not sure if it is or not. You know, Twitter's going crazy right now with that. But uh, I can't imagine why he wouldn't want that extra year and that extra $50 million. But what are your thoughts around that possibility? You know, I mean, I think as a sign-and-trade is, is it will be a great option for both of them. You know, I do not think that Butler led face. So I don't think Butler's a done deal. You know, I think what it is is I think that, um, you know, people think that because of the uh, the messages that are being put out. You know, like they, you know, they're like extremely vague, and and they're also one of those things where you can get any meaning out of it as possible. Now, the thing about Tobias, yes, you can do a sign and trade, but at the same time. You know, if I'm Tobias, I'm, you know, I'm 26, I'm this and that. Yeah, the Sixers are going to get something out of them. But a lot of times when you do a sign and trade, it's, for, it's to teams who really don't have the cap space, right? So, you know, but for Tobias, you know what I mean? Like, for, in, for instance, like, the only reason why you're not going to sign him as a free agent straight up is because, you don't have the cap space to bring him in, give him a max, and keep your players. But the, there are several teams out there, teams that have winning records, I mean, or teams that's on the rise, who do have cap space. So I really don't see that happening with Tobias. It could, but I would feel like Jimmy would probably be the better option. Now, the only problem is if you're an opposing team, you know, are you willing to give Jimmy Butler five years? Because, you know, you do a sign and trade, I'm pretty sure Jimmy's going to want the five-year match. 
If not, he can go somewhere else and get four years. So, you know, my thing is, are you willing to take on Jimmy Butler and to <clears throat> take on that salary? That's my question. I think if you are Houston and you are killing yourselves to get past Golden State and you think Jimmy might be the the missing piece, you're going to do it. I think that there are some other teams that feel that way that are just trying to to be relevant, and they saw what Jimmy did in the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I think you said it right. Nothing's a done deal. But I do think that when it comes to the Sixers, easy answers are not <laughs> in the cards. Anything can happen. And, you know, speaking of surprises, you know, there was the rumor out there that Elton Brand was looking at trying to move Ben Simmons. Um, he's got a, you know, a pretty expensive deal coming up next year. And ownership shot that down. When you look at how inept Simmons was at times in the playoffs, he was great at times as well. Um, but there are times that he just disappeared. Is that something that you think would even be entertained? I mean, I, I know the likelihood is that the core comes back, as you said. But are these things that you think would be entertained in the offseason? I do. I mean, I, I, see, here's the thing. If you, you know, so it depends on, you know, who, who, Who's who's pitching? Like who? I mean, who's the guy that you want to trade? Like if if New Orleans says, okay, um, we want we want Ben Simmons, and we you know, and we'll give you Anthony Davis. You know, I, I think that you know you can't say, oh no, nah, he's he's on the untouchable. You can't say that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. you know, you have to. They you have to make that move. I mean, for two things, you know, Anthony Davis could play the four. He also could play the five. You don't know what Joel Embiid's health history is going to be. I mean, what is not, you know, the history is like, you, you don't know you what think Anthony Davis could, be like. You think uh -huh. Anthony Davis could do a better job than Greg Monroe in the playoffs? Me no habla inglés. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he can. Yeah. I think he can. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, if, if that's the question, I mean, the thing is, you know, when you have a guy like Ben, and a lot of people criticize him, and he is working on his game. At least he says he is working on the game. And like I said, you know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt this year. But if you can go out there and get Anthony Davis, you know, a guy who's, you know, the most versatile big in the game, you know, guard-like skills. I mean, people forget that he was a point guard in high school until he had that growth spurt. You know, it's one of those things. I think, you know, you have to think long and hard about keeping Ben because, you know, right now, you know, while Ben does have an upside, I don't think anyone will fault the Sixers if they made that trade because at this particular time, you know, Ben still has to prove that he can play without the ball in his hand and that he can be someone they can depend on down the clutch, in the clutch. You know you're going to depend on Anthony. You can depend on Anthony Davis. The only question is, Rich Paul represents both guys, and is he going to try? Is he going to sign off on it, or is he going to try to make a big stink about it? You understand? Yep. So that's the question. But yeah, I, you know, I could see doing a sign and trade. Yeah, you got to wonder if uh, David Griffin being in there would would make that a little bit more smooth too. I mean, Anthony Davis burned his bridge already in New Orleans. I don't think that's salvageable, but 
the fact that Griffin and LeBron have that relationship and, and Rich Paul involved, you never know. I think it's definitely worth exploring for sure. Yeah, yeah. The only question is, you know, if one of my clients wants to want to get out of a town, get out of a city, do I really want another client there? You know what I mean? Right. That's the thing. But at the same time, you know, if you think about it, you know, uh, you have Ben, you have uh, uh, Drew Holiday, you know, you have um, Zion. I mean, that's not a bad mix at all. You know, just like, you know, if those guys came up here, that wouldn't be a bad mix. You know, not at all. Well, Keith, I've taken about as much of your time as I'm going to steal today. I hope I can have you back during the draft and we can talk a little bit about Sixers needs during the draft. I really want to thank you. I love talking to you and and having you on this pod. My first pod has been an honor for me and I really enjoyed it. I want to thank you. I also want to thank uh, the Matt Blatt Auto Group, especially my buddy Kobe Fryer. Again, if you want to get a a great deal on a car, no matter what it is, but especially that new Kia Telluride. Give my guy a call, 609-706-2101, or check out GarfieldRefining.com if you've got some unused jewelry. Look forward to the next pod. We've got a special guest coming up. Ala Abdelnabi will be the next guest, the Sixers uh, color commentator and a former Duke player that I got to know pretty well when I was down in the Carolinas. So anyway, thanks, everybody, and take care, and thanks for enjoying Killing Me Smalls.